Come on in, guys. Jared, we are back courtesy of Texas, former Texas quarterback, quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Do you remember that clip? I don't remember that clip, but I know he's currently uh, third string on the Colts. Yes, it was the 2019 Sugar Bowl. I believe he led Texas to a victory in which he proclaimed we're back. Texas was very much not back after that, um, but it's a great clip. And hopefully um, Survivor will will fare better than than the Longhorns did. But again, great clip. It was, it played, had to get it in there. So Talking Llama is here with a new Survivor episode recap. Um, it's going to, might take us a week or two to kind of get the, uh, the full groove down on how this is going to go. Uh, so just bear with us if, if we're a little disjointed at the start in terms of where we go. But what we're, what we're planning to do is just do a more or less recap of the episode go event order hit on the big points um and if we think of some different ideas we will adjust as we see fit but first before we get into it um general thoughts on the premiere good bad great annoying yes all of it to all the above yep there i liked a lot of stuff um i i think a lot of like the video features from uh, the players at home were pretty cool. I liked, uh, especially in like the first scene where they're all grabbing the stuff off the boat. A lot of the shots that they used were cool. Um, yeah, I it felt kind of like a new and improved uh, season in some ways. And then in other ways, uh, I'm not optimistic. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second here, um, but I completely agree on the footage from home. Um, that's something that Australian Survivor has been doing, I think, since they rebooted back in 2016, if not from from that first season, most of the season since then, but I think since back then. And that's one of the big benefits of them having the longer runtime is that they can show kind of more footage. And what I think Survivor here handled that really well. They just, for the most part, showed clips with the players' confessional voicing over, but it it worked really well for me, and I I hope they do that kind of throughout the season, maybe here and there. Agreed. I know it makes, it makes more sense early on, kind of give the background of the player a little bit, um, but if they mix it in the way they did um, in the premiere uh, couple hours, then I I think it's going to be be a win um, for the season, and even if they stop after this week or pretty soon after i still think it'll it'll be a positive impact and i and i hope they continue it in seasons going forward um so the elephant in the room might as well i don't want to spend too much time on it but um jeff is no longer going to say come in come on in guys at challenges so 
completely unprompted, he on the on the boat at the Marooning, he asked the the players if him saying guys was watch your mouth. I don't know if he said offensive. I can't remember remember what he, he, how he phrased it. Basically he asked if he should stop saying guys and nobody spoke up against it. Several people, Evie, I believe was the first one to speak up to say she had no problem with it. It's just a word. No one takes offense to it. Everyone agreed done settled until the immunity challenge. And Ricard makes a point. Um, to say that after thinking about it, he does think it should be dropped. And because one person said so, Jeff agreed with it, even though 17 out of 18 had no no issue with the word choice in staying in the vernacular. Um, so there's that. And yes, we recognize it's just a word, but if Survivor is kind of going woke for going woke's sake, that's a problem. There, there yeah. are times for those kind of discussions. I mean, think back to Island of the Idols. There were some truly important conversations happened around personal space, sexual assault, race relations, you know, with um, Jamal and Jack, especially. There's some really good discussions, but those came up because of what was happening on the season. Of course, the Kelly thing was completely unfortunate. That shouldn't have happened. But the some of the Jack and Jamal part came up just with um, Jack saying, calling the the buff a do-rag, which got them talking. That came up naturally. But here, Jeff just brought it up completely unprompted. No one was calling for the word to be dropped. He just said it kind of like he was extending an olive branch, which I saw. I, just, I, was, just scrolling, I was just scrolling through Twitter and someone said, Survivor dropping guys isn't the revolution they think it is or something like that. It's like, yeah, completely true. It's very performative is what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like he was he was like begging someone to say, please make me stop saying this word. He, he gave them every opportunity. And then when Ricard finally said when they walked into uh was it a reward or the immunity challenge where it was the immunity? There was no okay. reward challenge. Yeah. So they walked in, walked into uh, the immunity challenge and Ricard says, you know, I want you to stop saying this. Jeff is like, I am so glad that that will be the last time I ever say the word guys. All right, Jeff, tell us how you really feel. If, if you wanted it so bad, just do it yourself. Don't wait for one person to stand up and act like it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, because because it's not whether he kept saying it see if he had said nothing about it at all literally nothing would have happened yep so again if it stops here i mean i think it's completely unnecessary but if anyone who's saying they're going to stop watching the show because of this i think you're overreacting maybe getting a little caught up in the moment but if this is the road the show is headed down where they're looking for reasons to change little things that don't mean anything, that can become a problem. But it's not there yet, so I'm not going to worry about it until it bears being worried about. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I think we saw glimpses of it season 40, too. Um, 39, 40, 41, 
It has been the last three seasons and um, I don't expect it to go away. I think it will become more prevalent as the seasons go on and um, we'll see, see how the fan base reacts to it. And if Twitter is any indication, which granted, I know that Twitter is often the vocal minority. Most of what I saw was either laughing at him for how little slash nothing it does. And also being like, this is dumb. Why even bring it up? But again, if you agree with Jeff, cool. I really don't care on, on that part. If, if you agree that guy should, should have been, should be dropped. I think we're just in agreement here that it was a very forced moment that had no need to be mentioned in any capacity. Yep. All right. Hopefully that'll be the last time we talk about it tonight and hopefully last time for a while on the show, but we'll see. Um, Getting into the show itself here, um, we open up with Probst, the man himself, just kind of talking to the audience. That was a, an interesting introduction. Um, it kind of made sense. It, it felt right. I kind of liked it. Yeah. You know, he's talking about this being a, a new era of Survivor. Um, even telling the, telling the players, you know, the buffs say 41. You should just drop the one and think of it as season one, which Brad took a little too much to heart later on, which we'll get to. That was incredible. If you know what I'm talking about. I um, do know what you're talking about. But what did you think of, of that opening where he's addressing the, the fans, kind of giving them a little insight into the game? Yeah, I think... Even even if there wasn't really the like survivor break over the last year and a half, um, it it would have been nice for him to come out even after season forty, which was the all winter season, and um, make a few statements just because it it really did feel like we were starting over again. Um, but then you factor in how long it's been since we've seen the show, and I think it was it was probably even necessary. Um, I, I liked that. That's how he started it. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, got no issue with, with that part of the show. I, I'm glad they did it. Yeah. And, and cause he had mentioned that um, in some of those pregame interviews and I thought it was a pretty good balance. Well, I guess he didn't really come into the show at all later on, which I thought was really strange because he specifically was talking about, both in that opening and in some pre- some um, pregame press, talking about giving fans a what would you do here opportunity. And then in the first perfect opportunity to use it in that little summit with the tribes, unless there was a little Chiron that I completely missed, there was nothing about, hey, fans, what would you do here? And it's it felt like that was exactly the situation they were going to use it in, and then they just ignored it. Yeah, I maybe should have asked the fans uh, what they thought of. <laughs> well, never mind. But no, I get what you're saying. Uh huh. Um, but you know who who knows. Um, so we get then we get into the game. We get the the classical sorry the classic marooning, um, as it were. You know, they, they're on the boat. They're get they're got their supplies there. So you think, um, but Jeff kind of lays the hammer on them saying, you're not getting supplies. You're getting minimal, um, tools and things like that. Minimal food. So what they get is one pot, one machete, one Flint, no rice, no food staple. And that the gameplay 
quote, has never been more dangerous. Um, we got that a little bit um, just in terms of how physical they might make it. But if it's only going to be more physical and less food, I don't know that I qualify that as dangerous. But again, we're only two hours in, so we'll, we'll see. And I don't know how much da- real danger they can actually put the players in given their a show. Now, I know they kind of signed their life away for these 26 days, but um, I don't know that true danger is really going to be a factor this season. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, this is one thing that I, I personally don't need. Um, just the taking things away and like running them through all these really vigorous physical feats that don't really serve a purpose in the game other than tiring the players out. Um, yeah, I don't, it's not, I don't think anyone asked for it. Um, it's, it just seems kind of forced like to justify the change to 26 days where, you know, we're going to 26, but we're going to make it so much more difficult physically that it'll, it'll still feel like they're worn down by the end. Yeah. Um, but again, a a lot, a lot of what we think tonight, at least for me is going to come with the caveat of it's early. We'll see. Um, but, but some of the the pregame hype hasn't quite been met from the production standpoint. One thing I will say for them though, is the, is the editing job. They, they really changed up how they edited the show, how they put shots together and, and little things like that can make a big difference. We talked about that a little bit in our David versus Goliath episode where they would, they would kind of switch around showing actions after the fact, um, like with when Dan pound is idle, things like that. And it's not going to make or break a season, but if you're looking for something to set it apart, maybe small changes, you know, how they edit the, um, the, the tribal summit with the three different players um, showing, you know, Xander making his decision when he's telling the story to his tribe mates versus showing us as it happens, small things like that. Um, I like a lot. What did you think about that part of it? Yeah. Any, any minimal changes that, that alter the feel of the show a little bit, I think I'm generally for. Um, so yeah, just some of the stuff like they showed a, uh, a slow motion dive off the, off the boat, which I was like, well, this seems unnecessary, but it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I as long as you're not messing with like the the heart of the game and and the heart of like yep. the production, that's that's all that matters. Yep. And mentioning the slow motion is funny, um, because they they've taken the the at home shots from Australian Survivor, and Survivor South Africa loves them them a good slow motion shot, particularly an unnecessary <laughs> slow motion shot, nice. which ends up being way funnier than it, than it would probably be intended but i'm here for it if that's what they're going to be doing but you mentioned the boat speaking of the boat gets right into the first challenge as it were uh for the game get right into it each tribe has six um color-coded paddles got to get their paddles off the boat and onto a raft race around a buoy and back to the boat to grab a flint first to retrieve the flint also gets the pot and machete the other tribes have to wait for a chance to earn them. And I mean, if we're talking about a hot mess in Survivor, this started off as hot as it can be. This was, it's a it's a pretty basic challenge on its own, but it was made incredible by, 
by two things. One, Yase just could not find their last paddle. They found five of the six and were just struggling to find their 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 final their final paddle and didn't even get it until after um Ua had ultimately won the challenge. Jeff and was letting him have it too. I really liked how I he was he was like promising them there's no like advantages or anything on the boys. There's nothing here, I promise you that. Yep. Yep. He's like, nope, you're you're just that slow. And then what was worse? Yase not finding their last paddle or Luvu not unclipping from the anchor. I think not getting off the boat is worse, but <laughs> the visual is funnier of imagining people paddling while anchored down. Like that when when they showed so Luvu was in the water first and they're paddling, but in motion only, they weren't going anywhere. And then Ua gets into the water and they're paddling the same in terms of like form with the paddles themselves. And they're moving like you'd expect them to. And it didn't even even occur to me that Lubu wasn't unclipped. I was like, what are they doing that's so wrong, but that's not blatantly obvious as to why they can't move? <laughs> and then and then Probes realizes at the end that they didn't unclip from the back. I mean, that's tough golden moment and and right off the bat loved love that i like that you know you can win a challenge just by completing it yeah we did we did the directions so (laughs) we won yeah they didn't have to do anything especially well i mean it seemed like ua was was kind of killing it anyway that they were in in a good flow and we're working together but yeah, if the other tribes just can't even complete steps two and three in a four-step process, it makes it a little easier for you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on to the tribes here. Um, Ua, so let's uh, run through the tribe members again here, um, just as a refresher for everybody. Um, so on... Luvu, which is or yep, Luvu, which is the blue tribe. It's Danny, Deshaun, Erica, Heather, Nasir, and Sydney. Ua, the green tribe, is Brad, Jeannie, JD, Jairus. Um, he was being called in the preseason, but he's referred to himself as JD. Ricard, Sarah, and Chantel. Shan. Shan. Yase, the yellow, David, and Abraham, which was who was Eric the entire time. When I when I heard him referred to as Abraham, I was completely thrown. I'm assuming yeah. it's his last. I was assuming it's his last name. Yep. I think. Yep, it is. But every interview was always Eric, 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 and then just nope, Abraham. So that was that was a bit of a uh, of a curveball there. And then um, Evie, Liana, Tiffany, and Xander closing out the tribe there. Um, so Ua Ua wins the challenge. They get they get the flint and everything. JD gets fire going. They're kind of hitting off. They don't really have a lot of work to do. There's not a ton to talk about on Ua for the early days. Anything that you had in your notes for their first few? No, I don't think so. I like of all the people, um, of all the people that they introduced to us on the tribe, I think that JD was probably my favorite, just like with his excitement and uh, 
you know, some of his videos that they showed. I just, I, I really liked him and it made me want to cheer for him specifically from that group. Yeah. He's got, he's got a great energy. Um, it might be getting him into trouble early on, but if he can rein it in a little bit, I think, I think he could do really well. I thought Brad started off strong. I mean, maybe stronger than I was expecting. And then he kind of fell apart, which we'll <laughs> touch on later. Um, so then Yase and Luvu, um, they have the same challenge ahead of them. So since they did not win the Flint at the first challenge, they have a chance to earn it again back at camp here with a choice between two different types of challenges, either the savvy challenge or the sweat challenge. I think production maybe can maybe workshop those, those names there. Uh, but the savvy challenge is you got to solve a visual riddle. You have to count the number of triangles within a larger triangle. Classic challenge there, actually see that all the time. Um, the one caveat there even though the whole tribe can work on it is you only get one guess. And then the sweat option is two tribe members gather ocean water to fill two large barrels and they cannot communicate or kind of be with the rest of the tribe while they're doing it. And for either, either challenge, you have four hours to complete it. So I'll take Jeff's role and ask you, Jared, what would you do? in this in this situation uh can you refresh me what was the penalty for not getting oh, it done yeah that's um pretty important um so if you completed a course you get the um flint machete and pot if you don't you don't receive your tribe supplies until after the first immunity challenge yeah that's that's not good not good um i i think i would have counted the triangles 100%. Yeah. 100 it, 100%. It confused me how they all made the same wrong choice. Yeah, so both tribes end up um making that choice albeit they get there in different through different routes. So David on Yase who I had pegged as like an almost an automatic first boot. He availed himself a little better than I thought he would. He wants to do the savvy challenge. He doesn't want to be separated from the tribe, rightfully so. He he doesn't want to expend all that energy to maybe even not not get it. Um, and then Xander pushes for the water challenge, and then of course he calls out David to ask him to do it with him. And at that point, David doesn't really have any choice but to say yes. Yeah, which he's I mean, rightfully I'm, pissed about. Yeah. I'm glad you and me are in agreement with the neurosurgeon on this one, though. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, that was, I mean, about the worst spot you can be put in without any fault of your own. It's one thing if you go off idle hunting on your own, you're making an active choice. But David just got pulled pulled under the bus there by by Xander. Yeah. And, and of course, like the girls weren't going to do anything to stop it they <laughs> no oh you guys are volunteering sure no because and then if, then if they fail there's literally only two people you can blame whereas at least if you do the visual challenge theoretically 
everyone is an equal part in it. Mm-hmm. And it'd yeah. be, it, it would at least be harder to point the blame on one or two people unless five people agreed on a number and the sixth person was adamant that it was different and they forced their way and then they were wrong. That's about the only major way I can think of that where that can go wrong from that perspective. Um, I, I think it says something that even though both tribes completed the challenge that they chose, we still would have done it the other way. Yes. Because if, if they're giving you four hours to do something, you better believe that that challenge is taking at least three and a half. Like yeah. they're going to, they're going to figure, they're going to plan it out. So that four hours is about exactly the time you need with a little bit of leeway. And that's not what you want to be doing on day one, especially when probes just finished telling you that you're going to have fewer supplies and resources this season. Yep. But then on, on Luvu, Deshaun and Danny are like excited to do it. It seemed like they're just, there's, there's up and, and, and excitable and looking forward to doing this incredibly painful, difficult challenge. Um, and like you said, they, they both tribes did complete it, but all four of those guys looked absolutely gassed. Danny when is they were done. be, he's not going to be able to stand up after about six days with the rate he's playing this game. He's, he's going to go all in. And I love that, but I just don't know in a season where there's going to be minimal food, how, how he can keep up. I, yeah, he's, uh, I, this is this is NFL superstar Danny McRae that we're talking about. So let's LSU. I, w- I was actually pumped that he mentioned what school he went to. I also yeah. I also liked that he told I'm jumping ahead of your but just for on it when he went to the summit that he said his career stopped after college. Yeah, that was actually a really intelligent decision, because if you say you're in the NFL, even if you were like a practice squad player or a third string who barely, if ever even played Sam Ellinger. Exactly. Calling it back. All people are going to focus on is NFL professional athlete, rich, successful. Even if it's not accurate, that's how they're going to correlate your story. Mm -hmm. So that, that was actually a really subtle, small, but very smart decision from him. I love, I mean, We'll get, I'll save my comment for when we talk about that. Uh, no, I won't. I won't because it's okay. not really relevant. Um, but when they're all talking about like their athletic prowess, you got Danny who's like, Yeah, I was, uh, I was a walk on at LSU, pretty good football player in my day. And then JD's like, Yeah, I was a uh, two time state champion in track and field. Then Xander's like, Yeah, I uh, run recreationally. <laughs> Hey, man, you say what you got. Yeah, be proud. All right, and then also, um, but before Danny and Deshaun completed the water challenge, they did take a little break to, of course, look for an idol. And How could you not? By being an intelligent survivor player. Oh, yeah. I would say. (laughs) And, And then it just so happens that Nasir went to go check on them or to kind of see how they're doing because they couldn't interact. So I don't know if you can watch from afar, but anyway, and he happens to find them as they're taking a break. So he assumes in this case correctly that they are 
idol searching. Um, and so he, he wants one of them to go, which makes sense. I mean, how many times do you see on day one, day two, someone go looking for an idol and then that just makes themselves an immediate target. Yeah. It's almost, I'm almost disappointed in Nasir though, because it's like how this is so uncreative. Like you see two people looking for the idol. Hey, everyone, they're looking for an idol. We got to get rid of them. All right. Yep. We got to get rid of them. It's by the time tribal gets there, it's going to be totally different. Like, let's just skip that conversation. Same thing with the all women's Alliance. Let's can we, let's just not waste any time talking about that and move on. So the one thing I would say to counter that is that, and this wasn't mentioned. So this is just speculating that with smaller tribes, there might be a greater emphasis on pulling numbers right away with less room to maneuver that if you can get a strong four on day two or day one, whatever it was, then you're, you're sitting pretty good for at least the first couple of votes or at least the first vote. And, and I don't know if that was, that had entered his head at all, but I think that's maybe how I would have been thinking is there's, there's really no wiggle room. There's only six people that you've got to secure numbers unless you want to go to a revote on the first tribal. I just bring it up closer to tribal. And, but then you get, then you run into, well, if you saw this right away, why don't you say anything? It's kind of a double-edged sword there. I see what you're saying. Absolutely. But I, I think there, there are good arguments for him to mention it right away. That's, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just, maybe I'm just tired of it, but yeah, it's, I mean, uh, I mean, you're completely right that it's, that there's no, it's not innovative or, or fresh by any means, but sometimes early on, you just got to do what you got to do to, to make it through. I guess it worked. Well, we'll at least see. he didn't go home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to mention one thing here because we don't have a ton of listeners, but there is one guy on Twitter who's a pretty loyal listener who was tweeting back and forth a little bit. Uh, is it Jeff Probst? I wish. No, Brandon oh. Strait on Twitter. Um, he interacted with us a little bit. Love to see that. Um, Justin, he, he actually got a great idea for maybe an off-season pod is talking like the golden rules of Survivor. And basically, like basically how not looking for idols on day one or not openly looking for idols on day one is, is up there, but we, we should file that idea away when we're looking for off season. No, now I'm already thinking of it. Distract me. All right, we'll move on then. Um, that gets us then to the, the boat journey slash the summit during, you know, what's to call that section. Um, each, each tribe has a, has a visitor arrive, gives them a little parchment. One person must get on a boat take a journey, make a decision and return to camp. Pretty simple, straightforward, but being survivor there's always something to it. And it seems like all the, all the players are at least fans enough to know there's more to it than just something simple that they know there's going to be some sort of twist to everything. Um, and I actually enjoyed how the three different tribes um, went about it because they all, in terms of choosing who goes, because they all chose different um, approaches to decide who goes on, on Luvu, nobody wanted to go. Everyone knows that, yeah, you might get a chance to get something, but when you come back, people are going to assume you have something, whether or not you even do. So no one 
everyone's just been very timid, not, not committed to anything. Then eventually Danny just like, yeah, let's go. I'll go. And I mean, I guess at some point someone's got to just bite the bullet, if you will. Um, but you, I personally see another chance for Jeff to say, Hey fans, what would you do in this situation? Um, I personally wouldn't volunteer. I don't think, especially with so much unknown. And when it's one person, I think it's a safe bet to assume you're going to be, you're going to be with the other tribe that when you kind of cross pollinate early on, people are going to just speculate that, Oh, they're going to form an alliance for when we, when we swap or when we merge. Yep. And if you find yourself in that position by drawing rocks or sticks, or whatever, you can take advantage of it. But for me, I'd, I'd probably be a little risk averse that early in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, uh, I've always said if I was to go on the show, uh, which I don't think I'll ever be selected, but if I was to go on the show, I would play, I would play with aggressive passiveness. <laughs> I would be, you wouldn't even That's know a I was great there. Great phrase. Yeah. I would, I, I would there. be, I would be Brett. Then <laughs> it'd be going a little too far. Sorry. Yeah. No, not that far, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You got to find that balance, but stay, staying in the shadows a little bit early on, as long as you're still former relationships, you want to stay out of the spotlight when you can early on. Um, so then for Yase, Xander goes and it wasn't, it wasn't clear to me if he volunteered or if it was just like a general consensus or if he said he'll go and was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. I think he wanted to, uh, I think he did, but it just kind of happened so quickly. Everyone was basically saying, yeah, we, we trust Xander. You know, we don't think he'll lie to us. You know, we got a good vibe from him. So we didn't really care. Yeah. I think he, he more or less volunteered himself. They were all, they were all talking about, it. he goes, Oh, well you guys know I'm not one to turn down like a challenge or something like that. And then he ended up by saying, yeah, so is everyone okay with me going? Like he, he kind of wanted to, and he just wanted uh -huh. to make sure that every, that no one else wanted to go. But yeah, I think, I think that was his goal. And then on Ua, they draw rocks, classic survivor move there. And JD goes, even though he was certain he had a black rock in his hand, because you can definitely feel colors. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're sure, you're sure. Until you're proven wrong. Hey, until he opened his hand, I mean, it was Schrodinger's rock. Until he opened his hand, he had it both. That, <laughs> I, it hurts my brain to think about that. You don't know the Schrodinger's cat? No, it, it's like, that's until, the, is it dead? Thing is the or? cat dead or alive? Until yeah. you open the box, it's both. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's, that's already over my head. <laughs> uh, so all, all three players go. And, and they, they, they arrive at the location on separate boats and they all act surprised when they're on the, on the ride there saying, Oh, I saw other people it's like, yeah, obviously you're going to see other people. It's not that, not that big a surprise, but Hey, do what you gotta do to get that screen time. I guess more power to you. Applebee's is literally my favorite sit down <laughs> restaurant. That's absolutely incredible. One of the best screen time grabs ever. Speaking of charisma, this is actually kind of wild. This is very unrelated, but I thought of it. So um, there's a, a survivor fantasy football league, the Rotten Coconuts. And they're doing this really cool thing this year where you can pay to back up to three teams in the league. 
And then all the money goes to charity of the winner's choice. And if the team that you back wins, everyone who backed that team gets put in a drawing and then two fans get to play in the league next year. Oh, okay. So, and Krishma is one of the teams that I I'm with. So it's Krishma, Rob sister, Nino and Dalton Ross, me W. Krishma had an absolutely fire draft. Wow. Okay. So. Well, good I, luck. Yeah. I think she's two and oh, one and one. I don't know. It's early. It's, it's early, but anyway, enough fans football talk. Unless you want more. We'll no. save it for a different time. We'll save it for a different time. All right. Um, so I thought that the this whole summit was absolutely hilarious for the one reason that they had them walk up this massive hill just to read a sign that, that said, walk back down and make a decision. <laughs> if that doesn't scream, we're intentionally trying to make you tired. It, I mean, uh, there's no other other reasoning behind it. That was That was absolutely amazing. Maybe the good news for Danny is that if he does enough of these things early on, he's going to be like, no, I like I burned so much of my energy. I'm I'm not stupid enough to keep doing this. I'm not going to burn a thousand calories just to maybe get some advantage or a tiny bit of food. That'll give me like a hundred calories back. <laughs> yeah, that was that was incredible. Um so what they have to choose, and again, separately, is it's a risk your vote versus protect your vote. And I thought this was a chance where probes could have come in and explained what was happening a little bit, like he kind of alluded to that he would, would be doing, because they kind of went through this really quickly. I think I got everything down on what the rules were, um, but it, they went through it pretty fast. Um, so all the players, so um, Xander, JD, and Danny, they need to choose whether they're going to protect their vote or risk their vote. Um, and different things happen depending on how many choose which option. If all players choose protect their vote, nothing happens. They vote as normal to the next travel council. If all players choose risk their vote, they all lose their vote at the next travel council. And if there's a split, the players who protect their vote stays the same. Those who risk their vote receive an extra vote good through the final six. Okay. So again, Mr. Mr. Hostmaster Jeff, a perfect opportunity to say, Hey fans, what would you do here? So Jared, I ask you again, what would you do here? I would not make any move. I would, I would just keep my vote again. I mean, this goes back to early on, you don't want to draw any attention to yourself. So I know that this is good through the final six. Um, so that, that changes things a little bit. I like up until they, they didn't use these. Uh, I was thinking it was just the next tribal council, but making it the final six changes it a little bit. Um, I still think I would just make sure that I can keep my vote just because I don't want people thinking there's anything up with me. Uh, if their turnout to be an odd number. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if I was out there, I would probably, again, find myself playing a little more conservatively early on, not being so 
um, adamant or not be so eager to take a risk like that. But one one point that I did see, um, Dalton Ross tweeted this out about why he would risk it. Can is, I can I actually guess? Yes. 100%. Um, because yeah, I'm still thinking about this. the The reason why you would risk it would be that eventually those extra votes can be used against you. If you make it to the final six, if you make it far enough in the game and you don't want, you don't want to mess with that. That, that was one of his, his reasoning. So what I think is I would like to think I would risk it being outside of the game, but I'm pretty sure that if I, if I found myself on there on day two, I'm pulling that toward protect my vote. But, but this reasoning, and he gave like two reasons, but second one is the one exactly what you said. Losing a vote at next tribal is nothing compared to getting an extra vote. You can use whenever you want. Plus, if you risk and lose it, that means you took away an extra vote from the other two who could use it as a weapon against you later. Yeah. See, I think the first part is interesting because if you are certain that you've got or you feel confident that you're in a 4-2 majority or even 5-1, your vote is meaningless. Yeah, you don't know at that point, though. You don't even know if you're going to tribal. Right. And and sometimes people might just think, hey, I'm just going to hope for the best that I'm going to be on the right side of things. Um, and there's always the shot in the dark, which we'll, which we'll get to later, which you can always pull out if you need it. Um, but again, yeah, I, I, I think risking it is the right play. But personally, I think I would check it out and I just protect my vote. Yeah. Oh, that's tough now. I think, I think you just changed my mind. I think I would, I think I would risk it. Especially because if you're, if you're in danger of going home with the first tribal, chances are your one vote won't make a difference. And if you're on the right side of the numbers, your vote likely won't make a difference. Not in in an even number of tribes. It's like you're taking a, a four, three vote to a, to a three, three. You're probably taking a five one to a to a four one or a four two to a three two. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. Um, and so this, if this is what Probst was talking about when he was saying votes are at risk this season, I'm completely okay with that. Um, yeah, that sounds we, great because we we touched on this in the in the preview episode last week, where if it's the players actively making the decision to risk their vote in the hopes of getting something else, that's fine. If there's like arbitrarily losing their vote, like when Jamal went to Island of the Idols because he grabbed a piece of paper and got screwed because of that, that's nonsense. I don't want any of that. But if players know what's at stake and they're making the choice, I love that. That's what, that's what I'm completely okay with. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling it won't be, but I... I like to think it will. I'm holding a hope for that one. I, I think I think that could be a lot of fun um, with different risks like that throughout the entire season. Uh, so then going back to the camps, Danny comes back to Luvu and just tells the truth. And the consensus there is that with all the detail he provided, there was too much to get to keep straight and to like not get tripped up on or stumble over that they just believed him. But I think is is fair though. He did have probably a decent amount of time to concoct a lie if he wanted to. Um, 
but especially since he protected his vote. Um, yes, he protected his vote. That's a pretty easy, easy truth to, to keep straight. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, thinking about this now, I don't know what, I don't know what the upside of protecting your vote is though, because like, yes, you can come back to camp and be like, here's what happened. And even if people believe you, like, what does it really get you? You don't, you know, like you're just the same. I, I think now in talking it through, I think it was set up in such a way where they wanted people to, to risk their vote. Like I was, I yeah. always want people to, to take the riskier play, but there's really no upside to, to protecting your vote aside from maybe looking good to your alliance. If there's much of one at that point, but like we talked about there, you can probably play it off pretty easily that there wasn't that much risk involved. Yeah. Cause it's not like you lose your vote the next two tribals where then maybe it is a three, two vote to a two, two vote. If you, if you lost it, it's, if the numbers are right, you've probably got, you're either gone anyway and your vote's meaningless, like we said, or you have enough numbers and your vote's meaningless again. So yeah, there really is not much upside to protecting aside from just really playing it safe. I mean, also, unless you don't want to come off as like too much of a gamer, like you're playing too hard right away, that could be one thing. Um, but yeah, the more we talk it out, the more I don't know why you would protect it. Yeah, I just I would, lost the I, game. I, I would I, I, I would bank on at least one of the other two choosing to protect it. Yeah. Then at, at Yase, Xander tells them that he risked his vote, but they just don't know what the result is, which which I like. What do you think about that? Where they don't tell them right away, they have to wait till they get to their next tribal council to to find out what happened. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I like when they leave a little, little uncertainty because even because Xander didn't even find out until he went to the voting booth. So if he had lost his vote, his alliance wouldn't have known. Um, so it'd be hard to hold it against him if you don't know for sure what the result is. Mm-hmm. And then JD tells the story back in Ua, the entire truth except for that he protected his vote, even though he actually risked it. Um, and Ricard doesn't believe him. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's just, I mean, from what I saw, it just seemed to be that whatever vibe JD was giving off, Ricard didn't buy it. I don't know if you noticed anything different that would have clued someone in that JD was not being fully truthful. In that particular situation, I don't know what it would have been, but it seemed like he was, uh, I don't know. Everyone seemed to have a general feeling of, we think this guy's a player or like there's something that concerns us. Yeah, and um, Ricard specifically didn't get a great vibe from JD early on. So he, he might have just been a little more predisposed to distrust him in a situation like that. Um, but again, it could have just been something that you know, there's some body language that he was doing, some maybe a tone of voice that we didn't catch. Um, but for whatever reason, at least Ricard is a little a little wary of of JD and what what he's got got working there Uh, but that'll take us into the immunity challenge first immunity challenge of the season and a new twist again 
coming in for the season. If you go to tribal council and you fear you're in danger, you've got no idol, no other advantage. You have a shot in the dark die, which is an absurd name, which means I love that part of it. If you choose to use it, you give up your vote, but you draw, but you put your, your die into an urn and then draw for a one in six shot at safety. And it happens in private in the voting booth. So nobody knows but you whether or not you use it, whether or not you drew safety or not until the vote votes come to be read. What do you think? Oh, man, it's a lot of luck. A lot of luck. I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I was just having a conversation with someone today where it's like, just give me one idol at every camp, one idol post merge, and let's let's just run the season out. But this is like we're I don't know. I mean, what if everyone uses their shot in the dark at the same time, and we end up with a Suri? That's that's my biggest um, concern is that if people hold on to it long enough, that there could be like you said, another Suri moment advantage, advantage get it. Um, I think they're, they're banking on that not happening. They kind of ran into the same thing with Australian survivor this year, where I think at one point there were, there were like four or five idols in the game. And it was conceivably possible where including immunity, every person would be immune if they were held on to long enough. And they were clearly banking that not happening, kind of playing the odds. Um, so that might be what they're doing here. Um, but I, the one thing that I that makes me like it is that it's it's even, it's completely random luck, but it's equally spread out. Where it's not someone going on a random adventure and saying, "Oh, here's a shot at losing your vote or getting an idol or whatever it might be." That Everyone's got the same thing. It's a known quantity. Everyone knows it's in play. And I like when, when things like that are known because it, it can kind of mess with, with players' minds a little bit as they get ready to vote or plan or make their voting plans. Is that, well, what if Jared wants to use his dynamite? Then what do we do? I say you don't even take it into consideration. No. But I think the production hope is that people will and they'll get people second-guessing themselves, changing plans last minute. And hopefully resulting in some scattered gameplay. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. Yeah, I I mean, it's another it's another aspect to just add on top of everything. But I think with the, us being more math guys, like we're just not going to we're, we're not going to even take that into account when there's only what, 17, 16.7 percent chance that it works out. So. Which I saw Stephen Fishback tweet about this, where he it was funny that he corrected him, but it's actually sixteen point six repeating. Six, seven, yeah. So you can argue that Jeff is as right as yep. David. Yep. Considering it's it's like it's arbitrary rounding. But it's more important to David to feel right. Yes. Um, which that's the David I thought we were gonna get. Yeah. And there there were some some glimpses, but. He he held his own way better than I thought he did. Yeah, he, he kept in check 
He even got the coveted, I'm going to call you by your last name treatment by Probst on the first vote. Well, yeah, I mean, it was giving his name, like he had his last name displaying on the screen for the full episode. So I don't know, like, I'm going to guess after the whole Lucina thing that you can just tell him what you want to be called by and he'll just call you that. Yeah, that's fair. Unless, unless it was like Abraham where he announced himself as Voce, whatever his last name is, or maybe Jeff didn't, didn't bestow it upon him. He just kind of chose it. But yeah, thought it was interesting because it was day one. And I didn't see him, but that's, that's minor. Um, so we get into the immunity challenge. Um, Tribes race over and under obstacles. Got to load a sled with big bags of puzzle pieces. Two members move sandbags and then push the sled down the track. Once this track is clear, transfer pieces to a crate and hoist the top to solve a puzzle. I like that they went big on the first first challenge in terms of the physicality. Um, clearly, that clearly that's a theme for the season is we're going to punish these players from a physical standpoint. Um, but I, I like that they still went with a, a classic let's tire them out and then just give them a, a, a puzzle at the end. Cause it's all about the puzzle. It's all window dressing up until then. Yeah. I think also, so I know like tire the players out that that's a theme, but I also think that it's way better to do this challenge early in the season when you have energy because yep. watching a bunch of exhausted players do this, like sure that would also wear them out, but no one wants to see that. Yeah, we'll see um, how how that part of it all goes later on into the season. Um, if they keep up the physical part or if they adjust a little bit. I mean, they've got to get food at some point um, because they they can't starve them. I mean, I don't know what their contracts say, to, to be fair. Who knows what, what they what they signed away. But as as we discussed and, and other people have discussed, is that it's not very fun to watch people sit around camp who are too tired to do anything. So they've got to, they've got to find ways to get them some sort of sustenance to keep the energy levels up to a certain degree, at least spaghetti dinner every Tuesday, (laughs) you get no food except for a full meal once, once a week. Yep. All right. We'll see about that. Never know. Um, The other twist here is that only the first tribe wins immunity. The last, the other two will go to travel council what did you think of that decision? I like it. I, I like it. I think, uh, especially, I mean, you have to do it out of necessity because you're short on time and you got to just start cutting people. But um, I, I don't mind early on when there's so many people to uh, just kind of start getting down and narrowing the group because I feel like that is when all the gameplay starts. Agreed. I, I liked it too. I assumed as most people, people probably did that we would be losing two players tonight. And I figured it would be seven to eight is like one episode. Someone goes home eight to nine, same deal. But I liked that they kept it until the end because you, you really got more time with the, all the players Yep. up to that point where that first person that gets voted out, they really don't get any shot at a story. When that, when especially you have to deal with the introduction, the marooning, all the setup. I mean, you, you might you might get them for thirty minutes on on TV, and now you've got a chance to flesh them out maybe a, a little bit more than they would have otherwise been able to. So I really liked 
that they, they made that that change. I thought that that was fun. A little good twist there. And then the other twist is that the losing tribes have to forfeit their flint with the chance to earn it back at the next immunity challenge. And I was praying for Ua to win this challenge so that both tribes who went through the water challenge would just have to give their flint right back. At least one of them was going to have to, but I wanted them both so bad to lose mm-hmm. for that for that reason only. It wasn't because I wanted certain people to stay or go home. I wanted both tribes because like because Danny and Deshaun, Xander and David would be furious. They'd have to be. Yep. Yep. And then, and then of course, with one tribe um, only winning, um, Ua with Sarah and Chantel on the puzzle got off to a pretty good start until. Sarah discovered they'd left a piece in one of their bags, which was messing up their their flow on the puzzle. And that might have been just enough to open the door for Luva, Luvu to take over and then win the first immunity challenge. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, always comes down to the puzzle. What did Jeff say? Impossible way to complete a puzzle without all the pieces? I mean, the dude's not wrong. He's never been more right. I concur. I concur. Um, what do you think of the challenge just um, in general? Like, obviously, we both like that it's physical early on, but in terms of the actual stages, any, do anything for you or was it just another survivor challenge? I, I'm just not really a big challenge guy at all. Um, there's some that I really like where, you know, they're kind of fan favorites where they bring them back or at least variations of them season to season um, that stick with me. But like, that's not one of the main points of enjoyment for me when I watch the show. So it's more um, what happens in the challenge, like who who crumbles and um, like which tribe embarrasses themselves. And, you know, that's that's more what I take away. Um, There's there's certain like the things that stick out to me are like Cass making that huge comeback in Kagayan, like when she got down right away. Colby um, yelling at Reeks because he can't throw water well enough. Well, yeah, that's just an all-time great moment. Uh, but yeah, like the, those are that's what sticks out to me about the challenges. Like Ozzy, uh, like when you are just hanging on the pole, that is like Ozzy's challenge. And then I remember Ty took him down in Game Changers. Like, yep. So I'm I'm more big picture challenge guy. I don't I don't get too far into analyzing um, the different stages of it but yeah give me a physical portion give me a puzzle especially if it's the first one of the season i feel like that's a good way to start it off um but i i don't have much to say other than that yeah i mean i'm pretty much right in step with you there um challenges are i mean they're they're fun in the moment but they're as fleeting as probably any other point of most episodes are for me you know there are certain ones that stick that stick with you um and there are certain ones I like to see at certain points, like the very end of the game. I I love when the last challenge is just a, a who wants it more, you know, hand on an idol, stand here for as long as you can type challenge. Or I like when it's a massive, massive physical challenge. Um, so at the end, I don't think this was, this was the final one, but on Redemption Island, when they're going through that oh, huge yeah. maze, oh. getting, getting to the end there with the puzzle, like those, I love those huge, like, you're at the end, you're depleted. You just got to literally dig deep, give everything you've got left in the tank just to get through that challenge. I love those. 
with I the love timing. the one where everyone almost died at Koh Rong. <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Let's no maybe, maybe not it. do those, but yes, we got to walk the fine line. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, some challenges are, are the challenges that are more fun are kind of made fun by, like you said, by things that happen in them. Not, I would argue, at least, at least for my enjoyment, not many challenges are inherently fun to watch. Now, personally, I love like the blindfolded ones because people getting hurt, minor, getting minorly hurt is mm-hmm. always going to be funny, especially when they're nut shots involved. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care how young or old you are. That's always going to get a laugh out of me. Yeah. Yep. 100% of the time. All right. Uh, the pre tribal on Yase. I didn't think there's anything all that interesting here. Um, Abraham wants Tiffany out because he sees her as a weak link and wants to keep the tribe strong. Mm-hmm. And then Tiffany and um, Evie want, or no, is that right? Or Tiffany and Liana. Is that right? I. Anyway, they want I, Abraham yeah. out because he wants Tiffany out. Yeah, that's pretty standard. And, and then so there was conversations about that, but I didn't think there's really much to talk about or analyze there. Do you have any thoughts to add on, on Yase? No. Um, it was, it was far less eventful than I thought it would be looking at the tribe on paper. I thought there would be, we, we both thought that yeah. they were going to be kind of a dumpster fire or they had the greatest potential to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, and, it's, and it, they started off that way. They, I was like, yes, give me this. I need this. And then yeah. they kind of got their shit together. To yeah. Agree. Yeah. As much as you can have it together for when going you, to tribal. Yes, correct. Good, good clarification. Um, so then I guess for Ua, you know, JD's a target. Sarah's a target. Then there's Brad. Poor, poor, poor Brad. It's um him, Sarah. Chantel and maybe and was there a fourth person there? Jeannie? There was a fourth person there. Uh what did you hang on? Give who did what people did you say? So I know for sure there was Brad, Sarah, and Shan. And then was it and and Ricard, I believe. Ricard was there. Yep. And they're asking Brad who he wants. And reminder, uh, Sarah yeah. and Shan are they're like three inches away from him. He he can touch up without without fully extending an arm. They're right, literally right there. I'm goes, I'm just gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying you and me are gonna disagree on this, but please finish. And he goes, well, Sarah and Shan are on the table, and this is what I was referring to when Jeff said pretend it's season one. This is the season one move is to that, tell yeah. people to their face that they're a target. And the tough part is that they their names both start with S too. So if you're going alphabet strategy. <laughs> This is, you're gonna have to think this one through. Another season one reference. I didn't even make that connection. You love that alphabet strategy. I love. I, I love how often you can leave enough. that in. Yeah. I should love it more. I should take take inspiration from you on that one. Um, but how this didn't just make Brad an immediate target, I don't know. I I'm gonna give my take on it. Uh, so we're here. For. I I don't. What are you What are you supposed to do if you're Brad? Like. I, I mean, you walk up to them, you are, there's three people around you. There's two people that are not there. 
they're talking about one person and you're like, well, man, he's, he's like a good physical player. Like, they're like, Oh, well, who else do you want out? I, I mean, like you can't say the other person cause that's the only other person who's not there. And then it's like, okay, I get, I get that. You can just like, if you're standing there, go along with it, be like, whatever. Okay. But like, I think what he was saying was kind of misinterpreted um, because he was saying like, well, right now, like after the challenge, obviously the two people who are standing out are these two. Uh So like, uh, though, like you could say like, those are the two names I've heard or, you know, like that's, that seemed more to me like what was going on where he's like, okay, well, these two are, these two are kind of on the block after the, after the challenge. But um, I mean, if, if you think one of them is going home, like what, what harm does it, does it do? But I mean, I, I understand the optics of it. Like people are just going to make fun of it because it it's like such an obvious thing where, yeah, you're so you're right next to this person. You just say it to their face and that's not something that typically happens, but I don't think it was as dumb of a move as people are making it out to be. So one of the arguments I would rebut that with is when you, when you said he could say, or he maybe meant to have it come across as, well, I've heard Sarah and Shan's name in that, in that case, you're either calling out someone else there also, or you're going a roundabout way of saying, Oh well, JD was saying Sarah should should be target, which then just indirectly puts their mind on JD. Yeah, that's true. I do agree that he was in kind of an awkward spot, given that he really should have only said one of the two people who weren't there. But you can, I think, I think the conventional thought is that if someone asks you, especially early on, who do you want to vote for, you don't give a name. You you. You play it with a, with the gray area and say, "I'm just trying to get through the next the next day. Who do you guys want to vote for? I'm, I'll work with you guys." Or you just say someone who's not there. Like he could have said Genie. He said like, "Oh, I, I was thinking Genie for X Y Z, but if no one else wants to go that route, I'm open to to other suggestions." Yeah, I, I just think anytime you say to someone's face, because you don't know how how aware they are, and even if he wanted to vote out Sarah, maybe she doesn't doesn't know she's been talked about or her fears have been have been calmed and then you're all you're doing is giving her extra reason to make a counter plan it was a tough spot for him i just think whether or not he his words were misinterpreted i think he handled it very poorly yeah definitely i mean getting yourself into the situation is the part that i think you can you can avoid like where you just walk over and like the one person that you don't want to get out is one person that's not there. So like you're just painting yourself into a corner. True. When you walk in, like you're that's you've already set yourself up to fail. So then when someone asks you the question, like I I mean, at that point, like I I almost think it's better to be honest. So like where it's like okay, I mean we're just gonna throw it out there, like here's here's what happened after the challenge like it it just didn't look good so 
I, I feel like people in a way could respect that, but maybe that's why I would lose when I, if I went on the show. <laughs> well, it's also another, I think another result of the smaller tribes is that, like we said, if you walk up to that group of three, he makes four. There's only two other people that are, that aren't there right now that the smaller numbers really force the social capital to the forefront that you've got to be able to to maneuver through those situations. And I'm I'm really excited to see how that part plays out. If they are intending to keep the tribe small the entire time, is that it gives you, I mean, you've got to be very precise with your social and strategic gameplay that there's not a lot of room to hide if if you're trying to work a blind side or you're going to turn on somebody or if you just mess up. You, I mean, you've got to get the damage control like right away on, on a bunch of people. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about it more and more. And I mean, uh, let's just, let's go to the vote and I'll follow up after that. Yeah. And it, it ends up being a moot point. Um, but uh, Yase goes to tribal first. And I've said before that most tribals aren't really that engaging for me. Um, and like the pre-tribal Yase's actual council was pretty whatever to me um it was talking like back and forth about keeping the tribe strong or whatever else they're talking about um anything anything you want to mention specifically on the yase tribal uh no i mean i i don't even remember it like that's that's how boring it was that's a good way to put it yeah um so they go to vote xander finds out he receives his extra vote um so he's pocketing that for later and Abraham is voted out, I believe, 5-1, or is it 4-2? I've got the vote up here. 5-1. Uh, he voted for Tiffany. Everyone else sided and voted for Abraham. And if you're playing the game right and you're not the one getting voted out, it should be a 5-1 vote. Yeah. Unless, unless you're going to bust out an idol and make it, a two zero vote or whatever, or one zero. Cause if, if we're voting and I know you're being voted out, I'm not going to waste my vote on somebody else. I'm just going to vote, vote with the group and put my vote on you at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, uh, if you, if you know what's going on, yes, that's exactly. Yeah. Exactly what you should do. Yeah. Um, but that brings us then to the next tribal. Well, or you got something else to add? Uh, yeah, I'll say one more thing. It's kind of related to the to the other tribal too. Uh, no, go go ahead first. Go ahead. Um, so on the the Ua tribal, Brad does finally get called gets get called out for suggesting Shan or Sarah is the target right to their faces. Um. And that kind of gets a live tribal going. And I'm generally not a fan of the live tribals, but it's usually because you have no idea what's happening. And at least this time they subtitled what they were saying. Which, yeah, that was that was that's helpful. the thing. As long I I still don't don't prefer it, but the major thing is we need to know what's going on. And and here we did. And I don't want to go any farther into this episode without mentioning that 
the mafia pastor is the best nickname I've ever heard. So <laughs> Shan is, I I'm officially a hundred percent on, on board with Shan. Um, Shan is incredible. She's she got her own theme song. Yep. Which, yep. which production then put into the show. That was incredible. That's yeah. instantly iconic. Yep. Love that. Uh, anyway, I got off track now cause I was too busy thinking about the mafia pastor. I have a feeling that as long as she's in the game, us talking about Chantel will never be off topic. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Um, so JD knows he's kind of on the block potentially. Um, so he's, he's trying to work his way back in. Um, Ricard talked about flipping the vote to, to Brad and goes to a bunch of people. And then JD kind of fights for him there. Um, eventually gets gets to swing it away from Brad um, and they do vote out Sarah in an in- very interesting 411 vote <laughs> um, so Brad or Sarah votes for Brad of course and then Jeannie voted for Ricard and unless I missed something I cannot figure out where that vote came from well it, it could have been a Tarzan moment where you just forget the name of uh, the person who's Monica, you know, it just happens. But yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know. Like they are going to forget the anything. name Sarah, but, re- but remember the name Ricard. <laughs> Maybe not in this case, but yeah, I don't, they didn't show us anything that was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not trusting of Ricard. Like, I like what what's up with him? I I feel like I need to throw a vote his way. I don't yeah. The the one thing I can think of is that they were maybe trying to protect against Sarah using the the die thing, the shot in the dark, but I don't know why they would choose Ricard as that safety net. That's that's the only if someone has another idea or if we are dumb and we miss something blatantly obvious, I would love to hear it. Well, I don't I mean, think we did. Be, no, it should just be Brad then. Like if, if you know all the other votes are going on Brad. But then what if Brad also does uses his? Since they're the clear, obvious targets. And well, in that case, I mean, you're just I mean, going to have to cast votes for three people every single I'm just, tribal. I'm just trying to spitball on what yeah. she was thinking. Yeah. It's very yeah. possible she's just that far out of the loop. Which I hope not, because she seems super likable. That was like the biggest thing that came across in her, at least in her interviews. Um, not, nothing happened in the premiere that changed that for me, but to be that far out of how things are going on the first vote, that does not bode well. No, no, not if you ever are on your fantasy team, <laughs> which I do. But. Again, she'll get better. She'll get better. Plenty of time. I mean, I not plenty, but there's time to turn it around, but not off to a great start. If that's how she's voting on, on vote one. Agreed. And I, I could see Ricard um, kind of at the opening of the next episode, kind of asking aloud where that vote came from. And so maybe we'll get some explanation next week as to what happened. I would love, I would love to, but who knows? Um, maybe yeah. that'll shed some light on on where 
where things are at with with Jeannie and her relationships with the rest of the tribe. Uh, but that does it. That is, or for the episode, that well, is. The, that, so that's it. Yeah, the one thing I was to gonna add. say um, about like the the people getting voted out and like tribal being not super eventful for uh, Yase. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the background features, uh, this is just something I thought was interesting with like the direction that they are taking the season um, as, as far as like what words are we going to use and like the diversity requirements and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, we got features throughout the episode on a number of players, like what their lives are like back at home. Did we get one on Abraham? Interesting. Um, I don't know. Because I don't remember us getting one on him. And to send home a player who didn't even get a background feature is is strange to me. Um, They... All we knew this, and this is just coincidence. Could be, could be just coincidence. But they did a background feature on Sarah, um, and you know about her being a healthcare worker and uh, like the stuff that she had to go through with her grandma. And her grandma died of COVID. And um, we learned at the beginning of the episode that Eric, pretty or that Abraham did not. He was happy that he was out not wearing a mask. And uh, that was all we learned about him. Like, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about this part of it. The whole episode. Um, I mean, there was pretty much nothing on him. And in his bio, like he's an Air Force guy. He's got a daughter who he wants to like usher in the next generation. He's like, this is super cool that um, this is how my family is going to be carrying on. And it's like, I, I think it's very strange that one of those two got left out of the bios or one of those two got left out of the background features. See on that part, I wasn't going to mention that because for anyone who doesn't watch international survivor, this is a new feature. And one of the drawbacks to it is that, you know, if a player hasn't gotten their intro package, they're not going home. They're they're in the game, at least through that episode. So I didn't want to like spoil that for people. Um, but Survivor here may have broken the mold already on that. That's interesting. I'm trying to think. I don't I don't think he did. But I, I didn't clock it though. I didn't I didn't when he voted got voted out, I didn't think, oh, we didn't get anything on him. But um I don't think yeah. we did. Yeah. So I'm I guess, yeah, moving forward then it will be at least we know it's unpredictable. Um, like you're, <laughs> you're not yeah. knowing. Like now, now, depending on how things were set, maybe not everyone. They maybe they weren't able to get stuff from everybody. That could be. That could be too. Um, but that that is interesting. But I, I feel bad for people that don't that get voted out without getting their kind of outside the game video um, included. But from a fan standpoint, I like it for when you just said it makes it unpredictable. Yeah. That so if um if if next week someone that doesn't have their video doesn't guarantee their safety, 
Um, but yeah, that's interesting. It's about me something interesting to keep track of going forward. I mean, there's, there's only probably a few left anyway, so it'll probably be a moot point before too yeah. long. But yeah. All right. Um, before we get into our winner picks, any last thoughts on the episode? Anything we we missed or glossed over? Mm, no, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm I'm curious after one episode. I, you got me just thinking about winner picks now. So I want to know what you're thinking. On just on the on the on the season on the episode. Well, yeah, I guess takeaways from the episode too overall. I mean, first and foremost, survivors back. That's that's what I'm focusing on. And even though we've we've had Survivor Australia and South Africa, this is this is this is this is our baby. This is the flagship Survivor. This is what got me and got you into it, and it's back. And interesting. We shall say decisions aside, it's still Survivor. Got some fun changes and twists coming into play with the different um, vote risking and advantages, kind of getting them in different ways than before. I think, you know, Jeff teased that beware advantage, another absurd name um, that I'm curious what that's going to entail. So there's a lot of, of groundwork for a really fun season. It's overall a, a strong cast, I think, for the most part. Um, no one jumped out at me as as an outward villain of the season, which is a little disappointing. I like having someone to cheer against. You know, a Russell who's just going to mess with people. Um, things like that are always fun. But if it's just a really strong, likable cast, that works too. Um, so I think it's a good enough start for me. Um, I'm hoping the the COVID and pandemic talk will be done. We, yeah, we talked about this fun. a little in our preview as well. Yeah. And I get it. I completely get it. It affected all of us in different ways. Some obviously more than others. And it does. Some people were really locked down for the last 12, 18 months, didn't leave their house very much. So if they're able to go out and play survivor, that is a huge deal. I'm not discounting that fact, but to hear it mentioned so many times on screen, it was a little disjointed from the rest of the show. And it, it felt like they, it felt to me like they felt they had to mention it. But it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily an organic yeah. topic no. to mention, but you know, again, the premiere, it makes more sense to talk about it in the premiere when they're saying what it means to them to be out there. So maybe it'll die down, but that's, if, if that becomes a running topic, that can get tiresome, but you know, we'll, I we'll think see that's one you'll probably see fade away um, over the course of this. It's, season. it's just interesting, at least for me or anyone who watched international is that I don't think I heard the word COVID pandemic quarantine or mask once in, in um, South Africa, they talked about it briefly, briefly and the reunion, but I'm pretty sure in the actual game itself between both seasons, None of those words were mentioned a single time. And it was nice just to kind of, I mean, TV is an escape, whether it's escape from reality or just turn your brain off for an hour a night or a couple hours a week and just veg out. And we know what channels to turn on if we want to listen to COVID talk. Yes. Yes. Correct. And, and I, and I, I enjoyed, I appreciated that for what it was where it's like, Hey, they were able to do this in the midst 
of a pandemic in spite of it. And they got to, they got back to, to normal and do the show again. And I really enjoyed that. So it's a, maybe a little more jarring for me since I had two seasons that were truly back to normal, at least for their respective editions. But again, one week, two hours, still plenty to go. A lot of time to, to write the ship. Yeah. My, my favorite part was, was Jeff saying uh, at the beginning of the show, like you said, it's, it's felt like they kind of thought they had to talk about it. When Jeff said, you guys have all been tested in quarantine. You're all safe to play. So we're going to do it. And it's like, oh, thanks, Jeff. I thought you were just going to like randomly just throw them all yeah. out here. And yeah, that, that was weird. It's, I mean, for the, for the players, obviously, and the viewers, like, duh. They, I mean, they know they've been quarantined and tested, I'm sure. So I would hope so. I think that was just for us. I mean, that's literally why the, why the season is shorter. <laughs> yeah. Is they had a two-week quarantine. So they yep. took off two weeks of the show. Yep. Uh, but yeah, on a positive note, I am, I'm cautiously optimistic about the gameplay features that mm-hmm. they've added in here. So uh, not nothing yet as crazy as I thought they were going to go with some of the stuff that Jeff was saying. Um, so that's good. That's good. I'll, uh, I'll hold my breath to to make sure that there's no like nuclear vote or something i don't even know what you can imagine they do something like that though see i'm coming from a place and anyone who watched survivor australia this recent season we're coming from a place that a season i should say that was full of basically the worst twists and advantages you could think of all cramped together in the same season. So everything they do here by comparison to me will seem better than it probably is. I'm going to say, okay. All right. Um, so I might need you to, to balance out my reactions a little I'll bit. Cause I probably, I probably won't go too hard on a lot of these things unless they're truly terrible, but as fun as that Australian season was, and it's an absolute blast, great cast, great winner. A lot of fun, but the it's a season of peaks and valleys, and the mm-hmm. valleys were due to terrible, terrible twists. So I'm just happy to, to be away from that. Okay. All right, but um, running long here. I mean, two-hour premiere makes sense, but uh, let's get to our winner picks. Are you set with yours? Yes. Do we trust each other, or should we say it on the count of three, stay it together? Uh... I trust you. All right. I'll go first. I'm going the mafia pastor, Chantel. Oh, my girl. All right. Yeah, that's that's a solid pick. I think she's a full package. I'm going to go. Which, which means she probably won't win. But that's yeah, I know people probably recognize that she's she seems to already be playing a very strong social game. Um, not not going to draw attention to herself as like a weakness in challenges or anything like that. So. I, I completely approve of your pick. I, I hope you're right. As of right now, she's the one I'm cheering for the most. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going Liana. That's my pick. She had a strong opening as well. She like did. That. She did. She's got a, she's got a big alliance. Uh, like, well, I guess we don't know. Cause they all voted for the same person, but I think she's locked in uh, with some, with some people they're all pretty solid and 
Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I don't think she's going to have the same threat level as Shan. I think that people might kind of uh, not not be as focused on getting her out. Uh-huh, that makes sense. Um, anyone that sticks out after two hours that's maybe in real trouble. I know it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say either way, but like David, I still think he's got a tough road to win, but he would have been my, if I was power ranking before the season started of who of most to least likely to win, I think he would have been number 18 for me. And he probably moved up a few spots from there. But um, who, who do you think is maybe in a tough spot after the first week? Um, I, I'll give you two. I think um, I think Nasir is one of them. I think he is. He's just all over the place right now. He also shouldn't have told the survivor taught me English story on the boat. <laughs> That's a final tribal council story. If I ever heard one. Yeah. That, that he kind of <clears throat> brought the cat out of the bag a little early there. Uh, yep. But yeah, I think he's, he's just going a little too hard. I think uh, he's a very, very easy early post merge vote out um, mm-hmm. at best. I'm I'm not sure if he makes it to that point though. Um, the other person I would say is in trouble is Jeannie because that. Uh, I mean I I have no idea what she's thinking there. Yeah. So if if we don't get sign. clarification on on where that came from, if you're that far out on the first vote. I mean, things, at least you weren't the target, but things can't be going all that well. Um, what about our girl, Sydney? We had talked about her in the preview pod about maybe not having a great winner profile. I I don't think she's going to win, but I feel like I'm going to begrudgingly like her. Oh, she, she might. She is probably right behind Chantel as my favorite character right now. Yep. I mean, the, the dad's the, credit card line was incredible. Yes. I was going to mention that specifically. <laughs> it's like, I just want to be on vacation, the credit card, which was my dad's, but it's mine. I mean, that's exactly the type of content I wanted from her. And she delivered episode one. Yep. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I think she's going to be, gonna be abs- Exactly. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. She's going to be gold for as long as she's on her, on the show, on the season. And I want her to last for a long time. She's going to be absolutely dynamite. Yep. Yep. I hope so. But yeah, I, I think she's got a tough road to win. Um, but just in terms of entertainment, she can provide plenty of it without, without being a, being in a power position or even winning the game. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strong cast from what we've seen. Um, twists could be fun, but I mean, once again, survivor is back. That's the biggest takeaway. And I think that's kind of all I was looking for after week one. Um, but I think unless there's anything else, that'll close us out for our week one recap of Survivor 41. Yeah, I'm all good. All right. Well, we'll be back every week. Um, Thursday mornings, these will be out same time as always. No schedule change there. Um, 
So look for those on Apple, Spotify, wherever you subscribe. We're there. Follow us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, on Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. And I'll be tweeting. I'll probably be live tweeting episodes each week at Matt Hambridge. If you want to follow along there. Um, so always fun to tweet along with people, see what the different thoughts are. For Jared Sunden, this is Matt Hambridge. And we'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy.